Genesis chapter 19. And you might remember last time that the Lord and two angels came through and they met with Abraham. Abraham was extremely gracious to them. And then the Lord said that I can't do anything. I, I, I can't bring this judgment on Sodom without telling Abraham about it. And then Abraham interceded for Sodom and said if, there were, if, if the Lord could find ten righteous, then the Lord said I, I, won't, I won't destroy Sodom. Now let's look in chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. And then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly so they turned aside to him and he entered his house. They entered his house and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread for them and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, uh, the men of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old and all the people from the, every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind them and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand aside. Furthermore, they said, This one came in as an alien and already is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. All right, looking back up in verse 1, it says the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate. So you might remember that it was in the heat of the day that they appeared to, to Abraham. And then Abraham cooks a large meal for them. And then he, they eat that meal. And then they talk with him for some time. And the, the other two go, go on down to, toward Sodom. So... They were in Hebron. This Hebron area is where they ate the meal. Hebron down here. And then it is believed that Sodom and Gomorrah, actually the, the uh, five cities, there were five cities down in this area. That is where it's believed. There's no record of Sodom and Gomorrah anymore. God destroyed it. I mean, absolutely destroyed them. But this is believed that it was to be in this area. And from these mountains, remember, this is... This is uh, uh, 1,300. This is 1,300 negative. That's 1,300 feet below sea level. So it's very low. And these are mountains here. So it's very easy to see across here. This is a 20-mile scale bar. No problem to see from these mountains down into that area. Now, you see the Dead Sea comes down to about here. For those two men to have walked from here down and around probably would have brought them later on in the evening, not just as the sun is going down. And 
so remember, but they're angels. So they can just go, they, 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 they don't have to walk down and around. And so they appear to Lot that same evening as Lot is, is sitting in the gate. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. It says that Lot moved outside Sodom when he had looked upon the land and saw that it was good. And he moved, and he, but he eventually moved into sitting in the gate. So remember there was a war where four kings took over those five cities that were in that area. Then Abraham went and saved Sodom by defeating those four kings. He probably, because he was the nephew of, of the guy who saved the whole city, he probably got this appointment as a magistrate, as a judge. One who sits in the city gates is one who, who was used to having that, that sort of uh, control in the city. So he had, was an alien, yet he was now a judge in the land. Um, and he's been in that, in that part of the world now, in that, in that city area, for over 20 years. So it's a long time, but he was probably raised up because it was his, his uncle that had ended up freeing that, the, the whole cities there. And that was a beautiful territory at that time. In fact, the, the Bible speaks about that in Genesis chapter well, in Genesis chapter 14, it mentions that there's actually five cities down there. It says in Genesis chapter 14, verse 8. I'm sorry, it's 14, verse 2. Genesis chapter 14, verse 2, it says, They made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Beersha, king of Gomorrah, Sinab, king of Adma, and Shember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. So those were the five cities that were down there. That, that, uh, uh, Bila, which was later named Zoar because, because it, it kept being referred to as being small, um, uh, that, that, that city is, is, is one of the five, but that one wasn't destroyed. And we know that area was really beautiful area because it says in, in, uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. So that part of the world, prior to the destruction, was really lush and green. When God destroyed it, I mean He really destroyed it. You go to that area now. You go to the Dead Sea area now. It is just desolate. I mean, just covered with salt. Salt everywhere. It's not just in the Dead Sea. Everywhere. I mean, the, it's, it's just big salt mounds everywhere. And it's, the land is so full of salt, nothing will grow there. And uh, uh, so, so that's what that area is like. But it used to be extremely lush until that destruction that took place. And you see the results of that destruction even to this day. Nothing grows there. And so he's sitting in the gate. When Lot saw the, them, and this is back in Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed down with his face to the ground. The same sort of welcoming spirit that his uncle Abraham had to those two angels plus the Lord, Jehovah, is what that one is, was referred to. That same welcoming spirit where he bowed down to the ground. He had learned that from his uncle. And it said, he said to them, Now behold, my lords, please do not turn aside into your servant. Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night. 
and wash your feet, then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So you see this this pattern that he urged them to come in. Now, he knows what that city is like. Lot knows what the city is like, how decadent that city is. And in that decadence, he doesn't want them sleeping in the square. He knows what would happen to them. It's sort of like uh, um, when you have guests, you don't, you, you don't want them to see bad things. So, so um, like when, when our kids were younger, we would have guests. We would say, look, be on your best behavior. Do not be yourselves. We have important <laughs> guests. And, and, uh, and then when we're interviewing people in the university, we, we want to make sure that they're escorted everywhere. We don't want them to end up in some place that, that, that isn't attractive in the department. We want them to see the good areas of the department. So we, we bring them through to the nice places. He didn't want them to spend the night in the square. And, uh, and so he's urging them. He says, no, no, just come in my house. He says, look, j- just spend the night, wash your feet, and then you can rise early in the morning. But like Abraham, he does way above and beyond what, was, what he was called to do. He went and he cooked a feast for them, much like Abraham did. And, uh, and he made for them, in fact, unleavened bread. This is the first reference in the Bible to unleavened bread, actually. And he urged them strongly. He passed the test. They were looking for righteous people. Lot passed the test. The demonstration of Lot's righteousness is apparent in the way he's invited them in. There's the demonstration of his righteousness. This hospitality is something that as believers we are called to. You say, well, when I get a house, then I'll be hospitable. You are lying to yourself. You must be hospitable now. You got a dormitory room, you got some room. You use that room to invite people in. You befriend people. Showing hospitality is something intentional. It's an intentionality that you show hospitality. And it costs you something to be hospitable. You've got to buy stuff to be hospitable with. And it, and it costs you your time. It costs your effort. It costs money. And this is what we're called to do. And God will bless you. He will provide for you back many times over. But he strongly urges them to come into, into their house. So they see this is a righteous man. He has passed the test. And it says in verse 4, Before they lay down, the men of the city... The men of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old, and all the people from every quarter. This was not an isolated part of town. I remember we were interviewing one young lady from, uh, uh, she was from Newfoundland, Canada, and her boss had gotten his, he had done a postdoc with me, and, and he was a professor there, and he says, I'm sending this student, she's going to be interviewing at Rice, and he says, but she's concerned because she's She's from Newfoundland. She's, she's afraid of the crime in, in Houston. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, there's not that much crime. And so I opened up a map. I said, show murders in Houston. And, and over the last year, and it was, it was just covered with red dots. <laughs> but it was particularly isolated in certain areas. There were other areas where there were, there were no red dots. But there were areas that were totally covered. So I thought, I'm not going to show her this map anyway. <laughs> She ended up not coming, but, but um, <laughs> there, there, are, there are areas of cities that can be bad. 
This whole city was bad. It says people from every quarter, young and old. It wasn't just young people who were corrupt. The young people, it had infected them when they were young. The old people had not forsaken it when they had gotten old. They were extremely corrupt throughout the entire city. This is not a normal city. They were extremely corrupt. Well, what was their corruption? Verse 5, They called to Lot and they said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may have relations with them. So they surround the house, it says in verse 4. They surrounded his house. It wasn't just the front. They're surrounding it. And they're shouting, Where are the men so that we may have relations with them? Every indication in every translation, everything, is this having relations is sexual relations. This was homosexual rape that they were getting set up to do. That's what this was. Homosexual rape. This is how far the city had progressed. That there were visitors to the city and they surround the house and they send them out. And uh, um, and they're, they're shouting this and Lot's probably like, oh, oh sh- sh- don't worry about that sound out there. And he runs out to try to intercept these guys because he's so embarrassed. I mean, imagine the embarrassment. You got guests and this, this stuff is going on. And he knows that these are distinguished men. He could see by their appearance that these weren't just just uh, uh, normal men. I mean, these were quite distinguished men. He could just tell by their dress. And very often you can tell by a man's dress, by a woman's dress, that, that, that whether they live on the street or whether they're distinguished people coming through. And so he had recognized this. And he had called them. He, he, in the beginning, he said... He, he said uh, uh, when he saw them, he bowed his, to the ground and he called them my lords. So they surround the house. So he goes out to intercept them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him. So you can see him shutting the door. He's embarrassed by, the, by what's going on in the town. Now remember, he is one of the magistrates. He sits in the gate. He has been elevated to a certain position. And he says to them, he shut the door behind him and he says, Please, my brothers. So he's appealing to them. He's saying, please. He's not trying to lord it over them. He's appealing to them. And he calls them my brothers. I mean, he is, he's showing that, that I'm with you. I've lived in this town for 20 years. You're my brothers. Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. So again, you see his demonstration of his righteousness. As it says in, in 1 Peter, it says his righteous soul was vexed when he saw what was going on in that city. And you see that he's, he's not afraid to say what it is. He says, man, this is wickedness what you're doing. And those men didn't believe it to be wickedness. They just thought this is normal life. But he calls it for what it is. And God calls him righteous. Society would call him, hey, you know, you're not, you're not woke. You know, you're not, you, 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 you don't know what's going on. And, and uh, um, he calls it wickedness. And God calls him righteous. So to go along with society in all the progressions of society is not always the best thing. To allow freedom to say something is wicked when it is wicked and to exercise that. Even to his own harm, he's exercising this. And God calls him righteous. It says that many, it says in John chapter 12, many even of the Pharisees were following him, meaning Jesus. 
but they were not confessing him. Many even of the leaders were following Jesus, but they were not confessing him for fear of the Pharisees. They were afraid that the leading people would would, would uh, uh, excommunicate them in a sense, that they'd be thrown out of the synagogue was the expression. But that you'd say, okay, so, so it was okay not to speak up for the Lord because they were afraid of the Pharisees. But the next verse in John chapter 12 says, because they loved the approval of men more than the approval of God. There is absolutely no patience for not standing with the things of God. Even to your own hurt. There were these secret believers that wouldn't speak up in John chapter 12. And the Bible says, because they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. And so you see that Lot really took a stand here. He said, this is wickedness, men. Then he says in verse 8, Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with any man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. I think I will just fall down now. This is an amazing statement that a man would offer up his two virgin daughters to this crowd and say, do to them what you want, but don't do this wicked thing to these men. He had certainly been affected by living in that city. Now, it's not that you should never live in a, in, in, in a, in a wicked city or else you know, no believers should ever live in San Francisco. That's not the case. You can live there. You can live in, in places that are just gone so far. You can live there. But you see how he had been so affected by this. In his own mind, heterosexual rape was a lesser evil than homosexual rape. And that he would give up his two daughters. Now it's no surprise then what these two same daughters are going to do to him. Not long from them. Not long from this time. But he offers them up, and then the angels wouldn't have any part of that. Because sin is sin, and they wouldn't allow this to happen. But that the man would have gone to that point is extraordinary. And you can see, when a man does not respect the dignity of his own daughters, his own daughters will not respect his dignity. And that's what's going to happen to him. In verse 9, it says, it says uh, but they said, stand aside. So they, they say now to, to Lot, get out of our way. This is a whole crowd of men. Get out of our way. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien, and already he's acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they're saying, okay, he came in as an alien, and now he's acting as a judge. Well, he really is a judge in the sense that he's one of the elders of the city, meaning that he sits in the gate. Now he's acting as a judge. And it says, we will do... It, 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 says, it says that... Uh, um, now we will treat you worse than them. Worse than what we were going to do to them, we're going to do to you. So they pressed hard against Lot. So this crowd is coming against him. They're probably beginning the act of trying to, to homosexually rape this man. You think society is a... Dis Look at this place. Look at this place. I mean, you think God's never seen this sort of stuff before? The heart of human beings is wicked. Absolutely wicked. This is in the book of Genesis. 
This is in the beginning. It had gone this far. And it says, they're pressing against him. But the men, meaning the two angels, reached out their hands. They brought Lot in the house. They shut the door and they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. This blindness that angels can put forth is seen in other places in the Bible. So, for example, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 18, it says, When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor in this city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought him, them into Samaria. So there, there is a certain type of blindness that comes as a judgment. And it's a temporary blindness, and it's also mental disorder that, that takes place. And so there were these troops that were coming to attack Elisha, and he had them struck with blindness. And he says, oh, this isn't the way. Let me lead you. And he brought them into the city where they were now surrounded by soldiers. And then their eyes were opened. So this was a temporary blindness where they were struck at the doorway so they couldn't, they, they couldn't figure out how to get in the door anymore. And it's just both strong and great. So they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. Even blindness did not stop them from wanting to commit this act of homosexual rape. I mean, this is how intent they were. This is how extreme sin can be. That even when things come upon us, even when sicknesses come upon a person, it does, doesn't stop them. doesn't turn them back. Then the two men said to Lot, Whom else have you here? A son-in-law? And your sons? And your daughters? Whomever you have in the city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry has become so great before the Lord, that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting. So his family wouldn't come. His family just thought he was jesting. They wouldn't come. So in his house are just the two virgin daughters, his wife and Lot. Those are the only four people in the house. When morning dawned, so remember, they spent the night, he's trying to get his family to come in this house. Nobody else will come. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Take up your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. So the men seized his hand, and the hand of his wife, and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon them, and they brought him out and put him outside the city. When they had brought them outside, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. So look what they did. They said, you got to get out of here. You have got to get out. And it says that he hesitated. So the men, it says, they seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. So you've got two men. You've got four people they're trying to get out, so they grab one daughter, the other daughter. The other guy grabs, grabs uh, a Lot and his wife by the hand, and they pull him out. Now, how dare they do that? I mean, 
there should be free will in this. Why so pushy? If he doesn't want to go, he, don't, he doesn't have to go, you know? I mean, why, why are you infiltrating in his space? Now, if I see a house on fire and I knock on the door, hey, your house is on fire, get out of the house. And the guy's like, leave me alone, I'm, 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 I'm watching a basketball game. I'm like, no, you've got to get out of that house. It's on fire. He says, will you just go? I'm not interested. So she just say, okay. You know, I don't want to be pushy. You know, I don't want to invade your space. No, I grab him by his shoulders and I pull him out of the house and I'm a hero. I'm a hero for doing that. And I, and I grab his wife and his kids and I pull them out and I'm more of a hero. So why is it that when we pursue people with the gospel and they, they initially say no, are we supposed to go, oh, okay, you're not interested. Suit yourself. Okay. You know, we don't want to push people. No, he grabbed them by the hands and he pulled them out. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. She just speaks condescendingly. She says, look, you're not greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and his sons who drank from it and his cattle who drank, cattle who drank from it. She is saying Jesus is not even as good as Jacob's cattle. Jesus didn't say, well, that's offensive. You offended me. I, I mean, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna burn in hell. And he, leave her alone. No, he just went after her. He just went after her. And he continued to dialogue with her. He didn't stop. And then she starts speaking facetiously. He says, you know, you could have asked me, I would have given you living water. She says, look, you got nothing to draw with. And she says, okay, give me that living water so I don't have to come here and draw anymore. <laughs> you think it turned Jesus off? No, he just went after her until she ended up receiving and then calling in everyone from the city. You go after people. You go after them just because they say they're not interested. That doesn't mean anything. Everybody says they're not interested the first time they hear the gospel. That doesn't mean anything. A lot of times you say, would you like some food? You just go to an international, would you, would you like something to eat? They're always going to say no. They have to. Out of, out of, they just say no. And you have to urge them to eat. And then you urge them and then they eat. And they eat a lot. So they were starving. But they're going to say no at first. So, and that happened to me once when I was in college. I had a roommate from Yemen. I said, let, let, let's, let's go get some pizza. And we went out to get pizza. And then as, as the guy came, he says, then, then this, this Yemenese guy who was with me, he says, I'll pay. I said, okay. And he paid for it. We went back to the house and, and he starts telling the guys, Jim took me out for pizza and he made me pay. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean I made you pay? You said you wanted to pay. So I let you pay. He says, no, you're supposed to say, I will pay. He says, okay, now I understand the culture. <laughs> but th this, is, this is what you do. You don't just let the person go. You pursue them. You pursue them again and again and again. And you tell them, if you don't turn, let me tell you what your, your fate is going to be like. You're going to go to hell. You're going to burn in a lake of fire. You say, well, don't do that. You, know, you don't want to alienate these people alienate them. They're going to burn in hell forever. How's that for alienation? We must pursue them. We don't take no for an answer. You keep going. You keep going. You keep doing it. That's what they did. They, and then they, they, they urged them. They pulled them out of that city. They took them outside. They said, escape for your life. Don't even look back. Don't even stay in this whole valley. The whole valley is going to get pummeled. And then it says, it says, uh, um, 
they said, escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Verse 18, but Lot said to them, oh no, my lords. Now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains for disaster will overtake me and I will die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? He said to them, behold, I grant you this request also not to overthrow the town of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that town was called Zoar. So you read, just as we read in, in, in just a minute ago in, in Genesis chapter 13, that Zoar had a different name. He referred to it as small twice. It was one of, it was the smallest of these five cities that were going to be destroyed, and God spared that city. Because for some reason he didn't want to go up to the mountain because he had this thing that if I go to the mountain, the, the disaster will overtake me and I'll die. I mean, you, you know, people get in their mind, you know, if, 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 I, if I ever move out of Houston to this city, who knows what might happen? I'm like, what do you mean? You could get hit by a car right here in Houston. What do you mean? Who knows what might happen? And, and, uh, uh, but you can build up all these things in your mind to build up all this fear. And they say, okay, you want to go to that city? All right, we, we won't rain fire and brimstone and salt down on that city. Go to Zoar. So one of the five cities was spared, and that was Zoar, the smallest of those cities. But it was just as corrupt as the other cities. But the city wasn't going to last very long. Yeah, everything around it got destroyed. All the vegetation, everything got covered in salt, so the city was going to disperse anyway. It couldn't last. In verse 23, the sun had risen over the earth and Lot came to Zoar. And then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. So she looked back and she becomes a pillar of salt. I don't know if that means that the salt just rained down on her. But this whole idea of looking back and, and you say, wow, that's kind of hard. Well, actually, actually, Jesus talked about this. Jesus actually makes reference to this. Um, he says, he says in, in uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 32, Luke 17, 32, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. Jesus made reference to this. You think this is all a bunch of nonsense? Why, why would Jesus say, remember Lot's wife? He presupposes that this actually happened, and that's why he says, remember Lot's wife. She stops, and she's just covered in salt. She's dead, right there, because she looks back. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. If you think, I won't become a believer, I'll be fine. No, you're going to lose your life. This, this whole idea of judgment, this whole idea of judgment is a very strong, something very strong. It, 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 it comes and it falls upon people. And, and this is spoken of, for example, in, um, in Deuteronomy. God warned the Israelites. 
He said, all its land, it's brimstone. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 23. All its land is brimstone and salt, a burning waste, unsown and unproductive. And no grass grows in it, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Admah and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. All the nations will say, why has God done thus to this land? Why this great outburst of anger? So they make reference to this. They make reference to this of what could happen the destruction that could happen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, this is what I want you to hear. Jesus makes reference to this in Matthew chapter 10. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, whoever does not receive you, he's speaking to his disciples, nor heed your words as you go out from the house of that city, shake the dust of your, off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. There is a word that is preached to you. The word of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came. This is the Son of God. A gift has been given. The Son of God. He, this gift. And this Son of God has risen from the dead. The truth of the resurrection is already in your heart. It's already there. That Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. There's more evidence there is more historical evidence for the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ than any event from that era in time. But you don't even need to investigate that. The truth of Jesus Christ is already in your heart. It's already there. And you must take this and to say, I believe in the resurrection. That it, we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he's risen from the dead and we shall be saved. It says in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead and you will be saved. I urge you this day, if you do not know the Lord, open your heart to the Lord. And you may say, well, what's the difference? The difference is this. Jesus said, whoever does not receive this word that is preached to you, whoever doesn't receive it, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for you, than for that city. This is a real thing. And I urge you to come out. And I will harp on this week after week. But don't let it continue to come to you just week after week. Accept it. Accept it. The Bible says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. Don't wait on this. Don't wait. Get out of that city. Get out of that lifestyle. Get out of it. Let the Lord work in your life. I urge you this day to be saved. I urge you to accept. It is a free gift. It is a gift of God. He doesn't like coming with an act of judgment. What he does is he presents you with the greatest gift he has, which is the gift of the life of his son. And he presents that to you. And he says, receive this gift. Receive Jesus. Receive this gift. But there does await a harsh judgment for all those who do not receive. The testimony of Scripture is clear. It says, everyone whose name is not written in the book of life shall be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. And burning sulfur is amazing. You can go on YouTube and see lakes of sulfur burning where they've had big sulfur spills that have caught fire and it's amazing fire it's 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 uh 
It has these, these beautiful colors, these blue, blue and yellow colors. And it, it's not like oil that just all starts burning. It, it moves. So the, the, the flame moves all over. So it, it's noxious. It's blowing out all this SO2, which is really noxious. And it it's moves all over. And it's all molten. And the fire moves because there's so much SO2 coming out that it quenches the flame. So the flame moves to get some fresh oxygen. It moves all over. That's the lake of fire. That's the description of what the lake of fire is. It is burning sulfur. That's what it says. Brimstone is sulfur. That's what awaits you. So do not wait. Come to him this day. We are going to pray. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to accept this free gift of the Lord. I urge you to accept it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, blessed be your name. You are so good and righteous and holy. Father, I pray for the believers here that they would not turn back. Father, that that they would take the things of the Lord, but they would remember Lot's wife who turned back. And Father, I pray especially this day for the unbelievers that they would learn to flee from the wrath to come that this very day they would pray with me and say, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me and come into my life. Lord, forgive me. I believe Jesus is Lord and I believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for that truth. Lord, I pray for the unbelievers. Turn them to you. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, thank you for your gift, for the gift of Jesus on the cross, which reaches out and saves us and snatches us from the pit of hell. Lord, had you not saved us, we never would have done this on our own. But by your gracious hand, you worked on our lives. Praise be to your name. All glory be to you. In Jesus' name, amen.